Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia football podcast. I'm Stuart Steele, the sports editor at The Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, The Red and Black Football Beat will look back on the previous week's game and preview the matchup for next week. In this episode, I'll speak to assistant sports editor John James about Georgia's 42-41 Peach Bowl win over Ohio State and preview the Bulldogs' upcoming matchup with TCU in the national championship. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Stu. So, obviously, Georgia was able to pull out a hard-fought win over Ohio State. Um, It was a little bit of an up-and-down game for the Bulldogs, especially compared to how I think both of us maybe saw it playing out um, going into the game. But we'll start with the positives, which obviously mostly came from the fourth quarter and specifically Stetson Bennett's clutch performance in the fourth quarter. What did you see from Stetson late and, and how he kind of responded to a third quarter where he was really struggling? I was really impressed by Stetson Bennett for most of the game, and I think it was emblematic of Georgia's season as a whole up to this point, really. The Bulldogs' offense has gone as Stetson Bennett goes. When he struggles, they really struggle to score, and when he does well, like he did in the first quarter, like he did in the second quarter, like he did in the fourth quarter, the Bulldog offense excels, and that was how they were able to win the game with help from a couple of lucky plays that Ohio State didn't manage to make. Yeah, I, I was worried when Stetson threw his early interception that we were headed for um, kind of one of those games where he has a couple turnovers and puts Georgia in a really bad spot. And he, he didn't turn the ball over again besides that interception. But the third quarter, I thought he looked a little bit skittish in the pocket and was kind of not seeing the field very well. And then once they got to the fourth quarter, he was able to really bounce back. And I thought, uh, obviously, the, the, the long touchdown to Arian Smith wasn't the most difficult throw, but he got the play, he got it there, and Arian Smith obviously took care of the rest. But the final drive, the touchdown to A.D. Mitchell, the throw down the seam to Kiaris Jackson, one he fit into Bowers that we both thought from the press box was potentially going to be intercepted as well. I mean, I thought he was excellent on that drive and really pinpoint accurate. For me, that Arian Smith throw might have been the play of the game, actually, because Georgia gets the ball back with eight minutes left. They're down two scores. They need to score very quickly. And I was predicting kind of a longest drive that put Georgia in a really bad situation. And then straight out of the gates, Arian Smith breaks out for a 76-yard touchdown, puts Georgia right back in the game. I thought that was a big swing of momentum, and it was a really, really lucky change for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, I agree totally on the, the importance of the play. I, all I was saying was the, the throw wasn't like one of Stetson's best of the night necessarily just because it was pretty simple. But obviously he made the play, and it, it was huge. We were talking before that drive that this needs to be a quick score for Georgia if they want to get back in. And that proved to be true because Ohio State did hold the ball after that for for quite a while. And it took, you know, that Jamon Dumas-Johnson sack to even get Georgia in position to to take the lead on that last drive. So it worked out pretty perfectly for Georgia, as a lot of the plays in the fourth quarter did, like you alluded to earlier. Shifting to the defense, it it kind of felt like a continuation of the LSU second half in a lot of ways, which at the time, I think, uh, Kirby and kind of the the general vibe around that was that they had played a little softer in that half, knowing they had the lead in hand against LSU. And um, I don't think we either of us necessarily took that much from that going forward. Obviously, Ohio State has a higher level quarterback than Garrett Nussmeyer and some better receivers than LSU has. So I think both of us thought they could threaten Georgia, but I don't think and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think either of us saw, you know, C.J. Stroud having 
the performance he had. I really thought he was awesome and played a nearly perfect game. I agree, totally. Um, I think some of the concerns about Georgia's defense coming out of this game might be a little bit overblown, honestly, because, like, Georgia's secondary was covering, but then C.J. Stroud would evade and get out of the pocket, and he would extend plays, and no defensive back can cover forever. So at a certain point, the Ohio State wide receivers just got open, and Georgia's pass rushers were take, making an effort, but C.J. Stroud, again, played an excellent game, a very good game of football and he was just able to make those plays time and again and it was just honestly one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen live yeah and honestly getting to watch Stroud for a full game for me for the first time all season mostly just because I've been obviously covering the Georgia game so I don't get to watch everyone else all the time but I was really impressed with his pocket presence and mobility which I thought was really sold short uh, based on what I'd heard about him he was you know more of just a pocket guy but he really he didn't necessarily scramble that many times. He did in timely moments. I mean, the the last play of the game for Ohio State, like really effective play for their offense, was that long scramble where that Georgia was in man and just nobody was looking, and Stroud took off for twenty plus. And I mean, I just thought the way he evaded the pass rush, got out of the pocket, and his throws were always on target. Obviously, Marvin Harrison was awesome. I mean. It reminded me a lot of the 2019 SEC title game where I thought Georgia's defense actually did a fairly admirable job against um, Joe Burrow and that offense that was just unstoppable. And it was just, you know, good players beating, you know, other good players. There were multiple times in the Ohio State game where I thought the Georgia defense played very well and they had Stroud dead to rights. The play was over. The wide receivers were all covered. And he would just slip out of the pocket and make something out of nothing. And I thought that was one of the main reasons that Ohio State was in such good position for most of this game. One of the craziest plays was, I mean, the Marvin Harrison almost catch in the back of the end zone that was initially called targeting on Bullard and then was picked up. I mean, the fact that that throw even got there and was so perfectly placed, I I don't even know if C.J. Stroud intended it because it, it looked for everything like it was a throwaway. I mean, to me, I thought it was going out of the back of the end zone. And then, oh, there's Marvin Harrison. And it looked like game over for a second because it seemed like he was going to come down with it. And uh, I just thought, I really, Stroud blew me away and I think is going to be a really good player in the pros. I think one of a number of lucky turns of event for Georgia in the New Year's Eve game was Marvin Harrison Jr. going down with a concussion late in the game. If he doesn't leave, I think Georgia might not have advanced to the national championship. I think it was fortunate. It's 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 always hard to say. I mean, Alabama had the same kind of situation last year where they fell back on the Jameson Williams and John Mechie injuries as, as kind of an excuse. And I haven't seen, obviously, Ohio State necessarily doing that. But it's, it's, it's easy to say that, and I think there's definitely merit to it because if the throw, you know, late, they tried to throw on that last drive a, a slant against Keeley. And if that's Marvin Harrison, I don't know if Keeley holds up there, but he's able to make the pass break up on, I think it was Igbuka, but I'm not 100% sure. And who knows? But uh, you're absolutely right. There were lots of breaks for Georgia late, but I thought it kind of balanced out because I thought Ohio State got a lot of things to go their way early on as well. Getting that early turnover, which obviously they make a play there, but the fumble by Marvin Harrison that just barely goes out of bounds. Uh, Podlesny missing two kicks. There there were things that went both ways in this game. So I think it was pretty 
pretty fair down the line. Obviously, none of what we're talking about is really the refs, but that targeting call was a little bit controversial, um, and I thought they got it right when they picked it up, and I think you agreed as well. I think the targeting call was absolutely supposed to be overturned. Um, I've seen a lot of complaining about the refs from both sides, both Ohio State fans and, and Georgia fans, and I think that's just something that's going to happen in football. In this game, it was probably a little bit more exaggerated than usual, but I don't think any fan base serves to be more frustrated than another. Yeah, I really think that, that the, the targeting call was the only one I thought even like warranted a lot of controversy or, or even discussion just because it was so key. Like, If Ohio State gets that first down, it probably changes the outcome as well. But I, I think the call was right, and generally, you know, both teams are going to feel aggrieved in a game like this, but I thought the refs did a good job of kind of staying out of the way for the most part. So a couple more standout performers. One that I wanted to touch on was Kenny McIntosh, who I thought looked really explosive on Saturday in a way that he maybe hasn't for much of the uh, season. He's been dealing with some ankle injuries and some stuff like that and toughing it out really admirably and still playing at a super high level. But the way he was able to break some of these plays, the the, the cut on the, the opening touchdown for George on that screen was so perfectly executed, and he just hit it. Like, it looked like he was going to get a solid gain, but when he, you know, just burst through for a touchdown, I was really impressed with that. And then, obviously, he fell on the long run, the 52-yarder, but the speed there, I mean, it was one of the longest runs of his career, I think we, we decided, and he looked as fast as I'd seen him look as a Georgia Bulldog, and I thought, that bodes really well for Georgia uh, moving forward into the national championship game. I think all of the running backs did really well uh, in the Peach Bowl, and I don't know if it was the fact that Ohio State was planning to defend the pass because they were up so much, but I think every time Georgia tried to run the ball, it succeeded, and I think that's something they're going to rely on against TCU probably. I was a little surprised by the lack of commitment to the run and it's not necessarily that Georgia Georgia's had games where they throw the ball all over the yard the Oregon game comes to mind the LSU game obviously in the first half comes to mind but I was a little surprised just how pass heavy they were they came out with almost all passes until they uh, ran a little read option on third and one on that first drive that didn't work out but like you said I thought every time they went to the well of the run game it really did work out pretty well so I'd be interested to see what the game plan is for for TCU and and how they want to come out and attack. And I I wouldn't be surprised to see Kenny McIntosh and Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton really, like, take over this national championship game. And then one other group that just deserves a lot of credit, in my opinion, is the receiving core. I mean, a whole bunch of guys stepped up. Arian Smith, we've already touched on, um, with two long plays that were very impactful in the game. A.D. Mitchell with another clutch touchdown just like the national championship game last year where he comes up with a big play um, and then even the kind of tertiary receivers as well not the starters but Kiaris Jackson's catch on that Stetson Bennett ball Rosemey Jack Saint with a nice catch and run on a strike from Stetson Bennett um, and then like I just like Dominic Blaylock made a, an awesome catch in man coverage early in the game that really started to open up the Georgia offense and I, I think that was important even though Obviously, the first quarter often gets lost in a game like that where it's 42-41, but you have to make those plays to get into that situation in the first place. So I I thought all those guys were really good. This was another game in which Georgia's receivers were very consistent, and I think that's been a theme of the team this year. 
10 different receivers caught a pass in, in the Peach Bowl and 10 different receivers caught a pass in multiple games this year because that receiver room is just so deep and so versatile that any given player can make a play on any given play. And a lot was made of Brock Bowers kind of being semi-quiet for his standards in this game, but I thought when he was called upon, he made the catches, and, and there's a reason they weren't throwing to him, and it was because Ohio State was devoting so much attention to him. You could see them kind of bracketing him, double-teaming him, and doing a lot to keep him out of the game, and I think that's part of why it was so important for these other players to step up, as well as Darnell Washington going out with injury, Ladd being hobbled as well. So I thought it was important for them to step up, obviously, in such a close game, and, and they got the job done. So now moving on to our final game preview of the season, uh, we've got the national championship game coming up. Georgia and TCU are set to face off. Neither of us expected TCU to make it. We both picked Michigan, and um, once again, TCU kind of defied the odds as they've done all year and, and were able to take down the Wolverines, who a lot of people thought were you know potentially uh, just as good as Georgia, I think, going into this week. Um, so... I think on paper, a lot of this points towards Georgia having an advantage, but I see it as a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I'm curious for your thoughts. I think Georgia clearly has the advantage when it comes to raw talent, but I think TCU's intangibles, the underdog mentality that they've had all season, some of the coaching, some of the culture that they've developed might even the edge a bit where raw talent might not put them right in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think that starts with, obviously, Sonny Dykes coming in. His first year as head coach has done an incredible job to turn that program around immediately and get to the playoff and win a game in the playoff. Um, and now with a chance to win a national title, which would be obviously just quite the accomplishment and one of the biggest turnarounds in college football that I can remember. And I think Max Duggan as well is such a, a clear emblem of the kind of team that TCU is. You know, he's not perfect he's not you know the most polished passer necessarily but he makes plays when he has to and that includes you know putting his shoulder down as a runner as well and and really putting himself on the line and I think TCU's you know like you said their intangibles their physicality they're they're kind of you know they've got nothing to lose at this point I think that's a factor in this kind of a game where TCU is going to come out and, and you know they're going to know that the expectation is um from the national media that Georgia's probably going to win this game, and I think they're going to want to prove that narrative wrong, and they've done it so many times this season that it's hard for me to necessarily like strongly pick Georgia or feel like uh, really confident in Georgia's ability to win this game. Watching the Big 12 championship game, there are multiple moments in that matchup where TCU was teetering on the edge of loss, and Max Duggan just put the team on his back and said, no, I am going to score this touchdown. I am going to get in field goal range. And ultimately, TCU lost because college football overtimes are very much sudden death. But that drive, that passion that Duggan has, it's inspirational. And I know his teammates feel that the same way Georgia teammates feel what Stetson Bennett has for his, his, his fellow Bulldogs. Yeah, Kirby Smart today was talking about how he sees a lot of parallels between these two teams and these two programs. And I, I thought that was really interesting. And, and like you said, I think Stetson and Max Duggan have a very similar kind of vibes to their game and the way they play. And I think it's 
it's very admirable. And like like you said, with Duggan, you can tell his team just loves him. And same thing with Stetson, where they they love that guy and they they would go to war with him any day. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting an interesting matchup to watch and. I'm curious to see just how much Max Duggan is able to make those plays against Georgia's defense because in spite of the way they've maybe played the last couple of weeks, Georgia's defense still has some incredible athletes, some really strong players. I think the front seven is still really, really good. Whether the secondary holds up in this game, I think, is a big question mark. But um, we were talking earlier, and we both kind of think Ohio State's weapons are a little bit different than TCU's, and and even Max Duggan, who obviously we both think highly of, is different from C.J. Stroud, who who looks like a legit NFL quarterback. Prior to the Ohio State game, the method to standing up to Georgia this season was being physical at the line of scrimmage. Missouri did that, and they were in that game until the end of the fourth quarter. After Ohio State, the other recipe to standing up to Georgia this season is incredible quarterback play. I think TCU is willing to try to test Georgia at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if they'll be able to succeed, but they definitely have the will to put helmet to helmet and push. And I think Max Duggan has the potential to give Georgia problems. Though, again, I don't know if he's going to be able to. Yeah, and Quentin Johnston is also a very good player for TCU at wide receiver. Big physical guy, you know. Um, I think he's going to give the secondary some trouble, and it's going to be a big test for Kamari Lassiter, who kind of had the game I was thinking he was going to have at some point in the season last week where he was kind of picked on at times. Um, obviously, he did his best, but I, I just thought he was outclassed by Ohio State's wideouts. And then Keely Ringo, who I think his struggles have been a little bit overblown, specifically in the last game. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he was still... Georgia's best option at corner. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays in this game. And obviously, coming off last year's national championship where he made the play of his life, one of the top plays in Georgia football history, it'll be it'll be fun to watch him on a big stage like this again. Another aspect of heading into this game is both teams picked up a few injuries um, in their respective semifinals. Georgia, Darnell Washington came up with a, a contusion of some kind uh, around his ankle. It didn't end up being a sprain, which seems like positive news, but, um, and Chas Shambliss and Robert Beal got injured late in the game, um, two edge guys on defense. Um, and Kirby was kind of his usual self when discussing injuries. I don't think we really got a lot out of him. Um, it was kind of, you know, we'll see, we're hopeful. That's the word he likes to use. And, and who knows what that means. Um, we heard that with A.D. Mitchell's ankle sprain for, many weeks and we're starting to wonder if he was even going to be able to come back at all this season so who knows what that means and and he's obviously not going to give away who's going to play and who's not going to play um, just for playing purposes and then TCU running back Kendra Miller is injured he's been big for them all season so if he's out and I, I expect Georgia's defense to be able to stop the run in this game anyway so that could make TCU very one-dimensional at a certain point Ohio State kind of just gave up on the run game and it didn't hurt them because C.J. Stroud was, again, just so exceptional. But if Max Duggan isn't able to replicate that performance, TCU might want to lean on the run game a bit more. And if their running back is banged up, that might be a problem for them. Yeah, I'd say another thing with Max Duggan that I would almost compare to like earlier career sets in Bennett is he's going to give you a couple plays as a defense where you can go get it. And, I mean, he's going to 
trust his guys on occasion as well in jump ball situations, and you're going to have shots at those balls if you're you're on the defensive side. So I think turnovers are going to be key in this game. They always are in football, obviously. But um, I've always said Stetson has has that game in him too where he'll you know take a shot to his guy. He'll look for Bowers in, in a bad time or try to fit something in when it's not there. And I think it'll be interesting to see how these two quarterbacks play. Obviously, it's not all on the quarterbacks, but um, they're the guys that turn the ball over the most just because they're touching the ball the most. I also don't want to undersell the Darnell Washington injury. Georgia's two tight end sets have been one of the reasons that offense is so versatile this year. And in during the Peach Bowl, Ohio State's defensive coordinator there, their uh, court, their defensive linemen, their linebackers, they were all talking about how difficult to defend the Georgia offense is because of the combination of Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. So if Darnell can't play, Georgia's going to have to rely on the depth of those wide receivers. They're going to have to rely on Brock Bowers. They're going to have to rely on A.D. Mitchell coming back from injury. Maybe even Ladd McConkey if he, if he gets more healthy. That's going to test Georgia's depth, and I think they'll be able to stand up to the challenge. But it's going to be difficult. Yeah, obviously, nobody. You don't need to tell me how important Darnell Washington is to the offense because you know, I, I sing his praises a lot. I think he's a, an awesome football player, just all around, and opens up a lot in the run game and the pass game. But I do think Oscar Delp did an admirable job, at least as a blocker. I mean, he didn't make a huge impact as a receiver on Saturday. It seemed like, especially late in the game, they went away from the two tight end looks because it was such a pass heavy situation. There was no real reason to keep that in because they weren't trying to run the ball anymore. But I think Oscar Delp's a good little player. It's just he's probably not fully developed or ready for this stage yet. So so if Darnell's unable to go, we'll see how he's able to adapt and if they um, try to use those two tight end sets still. One thing entering the national championship as well that I, I've been thinking about this week is Jack Lesney, who missed two kicks in the Peach Bowl and obviously in a game of this magnitude, and we saw it from Ohio State. Um, your kicker sometimes has to come up big for you if you, you don't play very well as a team or you know there's some struggles late and Noah Ruggles wasn't able to hit the game winner. Um, so I just wanted to, to know if you have any concern with Jack Pudlesny. I don't necessarily have any concern with Jack Pudlesny, but if you ask me if I take Jack Pudlesny or the TCU special teams... I'd honestly venture to say TCU because they've been in that clutch situation all year and that kicker's made kick after kick to win close games. And Podlesny just doesn't have that experience in these clutch moments because Georgia is winning these games by so many points a lot of the time. Hey, Podlesny has the 2020 Peach Bowl. Game winner, Cincinnati, big kick. But yeah, no, you're right. Uh, You could argue the TCU kicker might be due for a big miss. That's what I would say. You know, college kickers are erratic. They're not super consistent. Maybe maybe he's due to miss one in a big spot at this point. They they hit that one against Baylor right at the end where they ran the team onto the field, and we all thought that was really questionable at the time, but they got it done. Maybe, maybe something goes wrong for them this week with that, but no, they're a well-coached team. I wouldn't expect special teams to be a big problem for TCU. Moving on to our picks and our MVPs of the game, um, John, who do you think is going to win the national championship game and give me offensive MVP and a defensive MVP? I don't want to be disrespectful to the Horned Frogs. I am a big fan of a David versus Goliath story. I love the Bad News Bears. I love a good underdog. I just don't think TCU has the horses to win this game. With that said, 
I am picking Georgia to win 28-14. to I am picking Stetson Bennett to have a good game in his final outing in a Georgia Bulldog uniform. And I am picking Jalen Carter to bounce back and have two sacks and make it very difficult for Max Duggan in this one. Yeah, I mean, I see the game, you know, I see Georgia winning it similarly. I know I was making a lot of noise about TCU and their their intangibles, and I I do believe that. I I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for Georgia or anything like that. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think Georgia, you know, first half, a little cagey. Both teams make some plays, going to halftime close, and I think Georgia pulls away late because I think the they have the superior athletes, and I think they just out-physical TCU in the end. And I agree, Stetson plays well, but I'm going to say Brock Bowers has a big game. I think he's due for one. He was reportedly sick in the Peach Bowl and still you know, played well when his number was called. And, and defensively, I'm going to say Malachi Starks comes up with an interception of Max Duggan in a key spot that really, you know, shifts some momentum back to Georgia. And I am going to say Georgia wins 34 to 21. Thanks for coming on the show, John. Happy to be here, Stu. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm Stuart Steele. You can find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and on redandblack.com. For even more Georgia football coverage, visit redandblack.com slash game day. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.